0: Today is June 9th, 2021. In our first story, Democrats in blue states are starting to require vaccination for certain access to venues, to theaters, to religious buildings. While Republicans are banning the practice, this is creating a physical divide in the United States between red states and blue states. In our next story, a Black Lives Matter protester was caught on camera spewing racist hate against an Asian cop. Proving the hypocrisy of critical race theory and the moral bankruptcy of their ideology. And in our last story, massive investment firms are buying up homes across the country. My friends, this is the Great Reset. They're making it impossible for the middle class to own anything, starting with houses. You will own nothing and you will be happy, so they say. If you like this podcast, leave us a good review and give us five stars. And if you really like it, share it with your friends. It's the best way to help. Now, let's get into that first story. There are a lot of things dividing this nation. For the longest time, it was the culture war. And then people started saying it was a cold civil war. Call it whatever you want. There are a lot of different things dividing this nation. People are always trying to figure out what it is. Critical race theory being a core component. Well, now the Democrat tribe has opted for vaccine segregation, In many instances, there's outright bans on people who aren't vaccinated from entering certain facilities. In Washington state, for instance, they're going full vaccine passport. Many universities, colleges are saying you must be vaccinated to attend the school. United Airlines is saying they won't hire you if you haven't got the vaccine. We're now learning of a Foo Fighters concert in New York. And I know I tweeted this and people were immediately like, "Uh, who cares? I'm not a fan of the Foo Fighters. Short, whatever. That's not the point you can't go to the concert unless you are vaccinated. Now, of course, if you get vaccinated, by all means, go talk to your doctor, ask for their medical opinions based on whatever criteria you're concerned about. And if it makes sense for you, then, you know, do what you want to do. Don't let anyone discourage you. The problem is some people can't get vaccines. No joke. There was this big story about a band called Teenage Bottle Rocket charging $1,000 per ticket for their show as if anybody would pay that. But if you can prove you were vaccinated, it was only $18. It was a massive discount. The problem, one of their biggest fans announced that they went to the doctor, and the doctor said, for a certain medical reason, they could not provide them with the vaccine. That's just a sad reality. Some people have allergic reactions. Some people, because they already had COVID, no joke, this is one of the big reasons. If you've already had COVID, a doctor might say, You can't get the vaccine, so sorry. So then what? You can't go to college? You can't work for an airline? Vaccine segregation, I understand the reason why the Democrats want to do it, but it is the Democrats advocating for these things. And it's, it's a political conundrum, I, I understand. I understand the argument for vaccination. We don't like COVID. We don't want people getting sick. And so again, these things have been made readily, readily available by the government. They're really easy to get. And so the left is then saying you have no excuse, but there is a real reason. Some people go to the doctor and they're told no. But take a look at the political ramifications of this, because even reaching outside of, of any of this, there, is, there are people who just won't go and get it. I don't know what you do or, you know, if they don't want to. I mean, it's America. They have a choice, I suppose. And once again, the Democrats and the left argue, well, then you choose not to go to these events. Why should everybody else, you know, be worried? Well, I mean, they're vaccinated, though. Why are they worried about you who's not vaccinated? It's a difficult argument, but ultimately it boils down to this. What we're seeing, according to NPR, is that states that vote for Donald Trump are substantially less likely to be vaccinated than states who voted for Joe Biden. This is a problem. What happens when someone from Texas wants to go visit New York? Well, if they're not vaccinated because this state is less likely to be vaccinated, they won't be able to. The hyperpolarization of this country is expanding well beyond just culture war issues, and it's expanding into medical issues. Now, for political reasons, a lot of people say they don't want to get vaccinated or whatever. I think it's silly. Just, again, get get, get a medical opinion from your doctor, get a second or third opinion, and do what you feel is right for you. Be responsible for your health. But there is going to be an overarching political ramification to this because it's just an issue of percentages. If people in Texas are, are less likely to be vaccinated than people in Washington, and Washington has vaccine passports, then people in Texas won't be able to get services in a place like Washington. That's going to have a profound impact on the already hyperpolarized country we're in. And you're going to start seeing people in Washington not going to Texas, and people in Texas not going to Washington because they can't. Now, people in Washington might just say outright, I don't want to go there. People aren't getting vaccinated. And people in Texas are going to say, I would like to, but I literally can't because of vaccine passports. New York has announced they're expanding their vaccine passport program. And we've already heard from, uh, from uh, uh, national leaders, politicians, they want businesses to enforce this. Well, in Texas, in Florida and other states, they're banning the practice. So you see what this divide is. I'm not saying, you know, it's, it's not about being for or against any kind of medical procedure or anything like that. It's just quite literally, let's look at the math, go through what's going on with the expansion of vaccine passports and talk about the ramifications of this political divide. The culture war resulting in differently medicated groups and different legal restrictions based on that. I think it's going to result in a divided nation becoming so divided, there will literally be a legal barrier towards interaction. Let's, take a, let's jump into this first story from NPR about the states that aren't being vaccinated or are less likely to. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com, click the big old members only button to become a member. You can then click the members area link and get access to our huge library of bonus episodes of the TimCast IRL podcast, averaging around a half an hour each for the most part. These are, these are basically full podcast episodes, typically talking about things that YouTube doesn't allow us to talk about. And when you become a member, you don't just get access to this. What you're really doing is supporting our expansion because we got a newsroom launching very soon. We're going to be hiring reporters. We have some new journalistic prospects coming in for new jobs. It's going to be great. We're going to have our own riot squad. Take that, Richie. Richie McGinnis, you want to go on the ground and report? Well, we're going to send people on the ground to report as well. Now, Richie's great. I'm just kidding. But that's what your membership gets. It's not just about being able to watch stuff. It's about putting money into the system to allow my work to expand. And if you really do like Uh, the work that we're doing here, if you like the work that I'm doing, then like this video, subscribe to this channel, but share the link. Let me just tell you, you can really see when the algorithm shuts down my content. It happens around the same time every year for reasons I don't necessarily understand. And I'm, I'm one of those people who's often talking about how it's not just the algorithm. Sometimes your content's just bad. Sometimes things change. But no, I can actually look at certain videos and how they're negatively impacted. Like, Videos that should be getting a lot of views that all of a sudden just disappear. You can see the analytics just go boop and disappear. So that means if you really like these videos, you got to share them. Uh, but hey, it is what it is. You know, look, if, if my content's no good, then then don't share it. But if you think my work is important, sign up at TimCast.com. Take a look at this story from NPR. There's a stark red blue divide when it comes to states vaccination rates. States Biden won have the highest adult vaccination rates. Percentage of states population age 18 and older that has received at least one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine as of June 7th. Size of circle represents the state's overall population. Take a look at what we have here. For those that are listening, let me just explain. On the right side, we're looking at close to 70 to 80 percent vaccination rates in these states. We can see all of them that exceed 65 percent for the most, I shouldn't say all of them, but most of them are blue states. They are Biden states. Makes sense. Democrats are super pro vaccine. And as you can see, we've got Washington State and New York, both of which are expanding vaccine passports. Then you look to the lower rates of vaccination, and you can see mostly all the red states. And we have over here, Mississippi, the the least amount of people vaccinated 44.2. Now, some of these states are East Coast. I mean, North Carolina, Trump won. It's an East Coast state doesn't really explain. I think it's political. I think it really is that a lot of people who are Democrat are saying one thing. A lot of people who are Republican are saying the other. It tracks almost perfectly. Now, there are a few states that aren't tracking along. So it's not absolute. We have Georgia, Nevada, Arizona, and Wisconsin. These are states that are contested or were contested by Trump. And so it stands to reason that they would deviate because these are areas of you know, strong political contention in terms of the, the, the results. But take a look at Pennsylvania. I mean, Pennsylvania was contested as well, but they're 72% at least one dose of the vaccine. So it really is this hard political divide with some anomalies. Now, NPR goes on to say, so, what's going on? There's a huge political divide. Speaking over the weekend, former President Donald Trump took credit for the vaccine rollout and told a North Carolina crowd of supporters that most of you have likely been vaccinated. But surveys have shown Trump supporters are the least likely to say they have been vaccinated or plan to. Remember, Trump got vaccinated before leaving the White House, but that was reported months later. Unlike other public officials who are trying to encourage people to get the shot, Trump did it in private. I believe also Ivanka got the shot. It is really strange to me. I mean, this is one of Trump's biggest victories. They said it couldn't be done. They dragged and smeared Donald Trump and then he was like, "We're doing warp speed baby. It's the best. Everybody knows it's the best. We're going to have this vaccine out for everyone." And they don't even give him credit for it. Now there's a lot of people saying they won't do it. I would say there is an obvious reason for the divide first. Many of these denser populated states, New Jersey, New York, you know, Pennsylvania, Well, the people who live there live in big cities and are probably more worried about proximity and people who live in places like Utah and Idaho aren't so worried about being next to people, probably don't care all that much. But then you get to see Texas and Florida, I mean, massive populations in Ohio where people aren't getting the vaccine for the most part. Now, it does seem across the board, most places have over a 50% vaccination rate. They say that nationally we need like 70 or 80 for herd immunity or whatever. But we can see Texas with a large population and very, very dense urban centers. Still, only 58.2% of adults say they've taken at least one vaccine dose. So let's talk about the ramifications of this. Did you know fast growing trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? Over at NBC New York, they say, first huge NYC concert for vaccinated fans only comes to Madison Square Garden Ju- for, for vaccinated fans only comes to Madison Square Garden June 20th. The announcement of the June 20th show at MSG comes a day after Mayor Bill de Blasio set August 21st as the date for a mega concert in Central Park to celebrate the city's recovery from the pandemic. So this is quite simple. I mean, it's in the headline. If you are not vaccinated, you cannot go. I wonder how they're going to actually track for that, but they report that the iconic band Foo Fighters will open Madison Square Garden, the 100% capacity night of entertainment will exclusively be open to fully vaccinated fans. That means one dose ain't enough. Now, the Johnson and Johnson, I believe is the one where they say it's one and done, you get one shot, you're good to go. So if you want to go see this show, you gotta have full vaccinations. They say the Father's Day show will mark Madison Square Garden's first concert in more than 460 days. Tickets go on sale Thursday, at 10 a.m. Foo Fighters first headline sold-out show. Yeah, yeah, we get it. I don't know if they actually explain how they're going to track for this because one of the biggest problems is that people can just say they're vaccinated, right? Well, they are talking about expanding vaccinations. So New York will be expanding its vaccine passport program. This is reported as of today. This is from uh, this is from eatER.com they say New York State is gearing up for a massive expansion of its budding and somewhat controversial vaccine passport program According to documents obtained by the New York Times this week state officials have reportedly entered a three-year 17 million dollar contract with IBM to expand the state's Excelsior pass program to accommodate as many as 10 million people more than half of the population of New York State, As part of the contract, IBM is tasked with building a roadmap for expanding the program to 20 million users. The contract also stipulates that in the future, the Excelsior Pass may be used to verify a wider range of information about New Yorkers, including their age, driver's license status, and other health records the Times reported. It goes well beyond vaccines. But let's stop right here. Of course there's a the slippery slope argument. So what? You got you got to have you got to have all our medical information on this thing and then you're going to be able to be like you got to be 18, you got to scan your Excelsior pass. Okay, maybe. But let's think about it. You're in Texas. Abbott says vaccine passports banned. Okay, Texas won't be doing it. Florida won't be doing it. Can you then fly to New York? Maybe no. They say vaccine passports could be the new ID required at New York City bars and nightclubs. In New York City, vaccination records are being checked at a growing but still relatively small number of restaurants and bars, following state guidelines that vaccinated individuals do not need to wear masks or be socially distanced. At businesses operating below the indoor gathering capacity of 250 people, some 2 million individuals have downloaded Excelsior Pass as of June 7th, according to the Times. The state's contract with IBM estimates that as many as two-thirds of New York adults, some nine million people, will download the digital pass by 2024. Where do we go from there? Well, maybe uh, people in red states will just get on board with it. I think that's fairly likely. Now, they've had the flu shot for a while, and people don't really get the flu shot. Not everybody does. Uh, It's mostly for older people, I guess, but it's open to everybody. Some people might not care. Right now, there is hyperpolarization. Many people in New York fled the city when COVID started, spread out across the country, many to suburban or more rural areas. Right now, wealthier people are buying up homes at an alarming rate in many red areas. I mean, you look at Texas, for instance. Man, good luck, look, good luck finding a house in Texas because people are paying above market just to get in there. It's changing everything. But right now, this hyperpolarization is just by choice. What happens when it becomes by force? Take a look at this. CBS News reports United Airlines says it, too, won't hire unvaccinated workers. This is, this is interesting. CBS says, quote, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll read the first United, United Airlines is following Delta's flight path, saying it won't hire employees who have not been vaccinated against COVID-19. Quote, as we welcome new employees to the company, it's important we instill in them United's strong commitment to safety. The carrier stated in a memo to employees, effective for all job offers made after June 15, 2021, we will require any external candidates for U.S.-based jobs to attest that they have been fully vaccinated against COVID-19 by their start date. New employees will be required to upload their vaccination card into United System within seven days of joining the company. Delta Airlines last month implemented a policy requiring new hires to be vaccinated, calling the shots safe, effective, and essential to the future of uh, of the airline and our world. United Airlines CEO Scott Kirby in January signaled his airline would likely join others if they began mandating employee vaccinations, calling it the right thing to do for his airline and other companies. Quote, we need some others to show leadership, particularly in the healthcare industry. So if others go along and are willing to start to mandate vaccines, you should probably expect United to be amongst the first wave of companies to do it. Now, if you go to the CDC website, they'll actually show you that there are some allergy considerations. Ultimately, it comes down to this. I am not here to give you any advice. There are a lot of political interests, as we can see from NPR, but I do not think political interests are a good reason for getting a vaccine or not. In fact, I think it's a terrible reason. And you should consider your health, the guidelines, what your doctors think, and the opinion and a second opinion, if need be. When I talk to people on the right and they're like, I don't don't know about my doctor. I don't trust them. I'm like, you don't trust your doctor? I don't, well, what do you do? I mean, if I break my leg, I trust them to fix it. I don't know what they're doing. It's the best we can do. But look, if your doctor gives a political opinion, then ask them for a medical opinion. Don't just, re- well, they said, we're going to get back to normal. I mean, that's great. I'd like that, sure. But that's not medical advice. So just get medical opinion from your doctor, get a second opinion. These are normal things. But I don't know what to tell you guys. Like, a lot of people say they don't trust their doctors. If you can't trust your own doctor, I don't know what you're going to do when you get sick. I mean, I get sick and they're like, here's what, you know, I, I had strep when I was younger. I was like a teenager. They're like, we think you have strep throat. And I'm like, okay, take these pills. I'm like, all right, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Let me stop while I'm sick and start researching the chemical. comp. No, I'm sorry, man. Look, I typically just trust the doctors. I don't trust the TV doctors or comedians from a medical advice. And I think second opinions are great. Anyway, I digress. I'm not going to rehash that whole conversation. The bigger point is the political ramifications. Over in Texas, Governor Greg Abbott has signed a bill banning vaccine passports. There is a clear divide in what we are doing as a country. They say, this is Yahoo News, Republican Texas Governor Greg Abbott signed legislation Monday that prohibits businesses and government entities from requiring proof of vaccination in the state. Texas is 100 percent, is open 100 percent, and we want to make sure that you have the freedom to go where you want without limits. No business or government entity can require a person to provide a vaccine passport or any other vaccine information as a condition of receiving any service or entering any place. Businesses that violate the law can be denied state contracts or lose state-issued licenses or operating permits, the Texas Tribune reported. An individual that disobeys the ban may be disqualified from contracting with the state and state agencies that have regulatory power over certain businesses, uh, power over certain businesses may withhold a license or, per- or permit if the law is ignored. Abbott's decision comes as many Republican-dominated legislatures have enacted similar legislation outlawing vaccine passports and commercial activity within their states, citing medical privacy and individual liberty concerns. Some Republican governors have taken executive action to preemptively remove the vaccine passport off the table. For instance, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp Recently signed an executive order Tuesday banning the state government from requiring COVID vaccine passports or assisting private establishments that seek to mandate them. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis recently signed legislation codifying an earlier executive order forbidding businesses from asking patrons to present a vaccination card for admission, penalizing noncompliance with a $5,000 fine for each customer involved. In other Democratic states, such as New York, the vaccine passport has been implemented on a small scale with residents having the option to download the Excelsior pass on their mobile devices to indicate their vaccination status, which a variety of venues and businesses can scan to verify. We're seeing something similar in Washington state. Jason Rance wrote last month for 770 KTTH, Inslee brings vaccine passports segregation to stadiums, colleges and churches. It's not just an outright ban, right? We saw Some places are doing this. Madison Square Garden is saying, if you don't get the full vaccine, you cannot see the Foo Fighters. Oh, no. I jokingly said on Twitter that Foo Fighters are the greatest band of this generation. And boy, did people get mad. They're like, how dare you, Tim? They're awful. I was a fan of the Foo Fighters when I was a kid. A lot of their newer stuff is, you know, it's not so good. That's true for a lot of bands. I also tweeted that Radiohead was the greatest band. Pay attention. I'm not all that serious on Twitter. I have just fun and post nonsense. But anyway, I digress. You can see that Madison Square Garden, fully vaccinated or else. But it's not true everywhere. Take a look at this story. New York City is planning a massive concert. You had to scroll down to get the real news here, but they say this. New York City plans a Central Park mega concert to celebrate reopening. The mayor's office has asked asked the producer, Clive Davis, to sign up musical stars for an event on the Great Lawn in August. Sounds like it'll be a whole lot of fun. That's about it. I mean, that's the story. But when you dig down deeper, you can see what's really going on. They say this. While the state has promoted its vaccine passport, Excelsior Pass, as a way for restaurants, theater operators, and others to confirm patrons' vaccination status, the system is still new and has not been widely adopted by either the public or many businesses. According to the state, about 1.1 million passes had been downloaded as of last week, representing only a fraction of the 9.1 million New Yorkers who have been vaccinated. The mayor's office said there would be vaccinated and unvaccinated sections of the concert and that about 70% of tickets would go to people who are vaccinated. The city has been working hard to vaccinate residents who are reluctant to get the shot. A successful event could be a political triumph for Mr. Bill de Blasio, a Democrat in his last year in office who has repeatedly clashed with Cuomo. De Blasio's popularity sank after his failed presidential run in 2019, and many parents were frustrated over the chaotic reopening of schools during the pandemic. Now, not an outright ban, but it is pressure. This is going to be a supply and demand issue. If many people in New York start demanding it, and they probably will because they're Democrats, they lean left, they'll say, why aren't you? They'll, you know, Here's what you'll see. Some Karen type hoity toity person will walk in and see there's no signs. And they'll go, excuse me, do you check for vaccinated status? And they'll say, we don't, I'm, I'm not going to eat here. I, I don't want to get sick. And they'll leave. The business might then say, okay, fine. It it depends on supply and demand. If the demand from most people is leave me alone, the businesses will comply. They don't want to lose money. If the demand is I don't want to get sick, everybody should be vaccinated. The business will just say, "Okay, then we'll do that. It depends on where the money goes. Now, the government can actually mandate this, not forcing businesses to do it, but they can do it in a rather roundabout way. They can put on major events where they require it. It's not a supply and demand issue, and the government just mandates it. They don't need to make money off this. They tax people. So if they don't make money, they don't care. They can just do this. And that's what they say. It could be a successful event. But do you want to be the 30% of people who goes in the unvaccinated section? Well, I got to be honest. I actually think this is a problem. The unvaccinated section at these major league stadiums are socially distanced. So I, I actually see people saying like, wait, you mean if I buy the, the ticket for the unvax section, I don't got to sit next to people? That's awesome. You ever go to a baseball game and it's just just packed and you're sitting next to people you don't know and you got that cup and the cup's got the bowl on top full of your chicken nuggets and you're trying to drink and you can't get your elbows out. Well, tell people that if you're not vaccinated, you just get to have an open space. They'll probably say, okay. In reality though, these stadiums are forcing you to buy like six tickets because they're not gonna let the tickets go unsold. Rich people are probably gonna be like, Sounds good to me. You mean I get to buy all the tickets? Some of them probably do that anyway. Then we see that teenage bottle rocket story, a thousand bucks to go see this punk rock band. Rich people are going to be like, and I'll just go do it anyway. It's not a big deal for me, is it? The rich people are getting a free pass on this one. But I think the bigger ramifications ultimately are going to be as we're in a hyper polarized nation, more and more people, uh, more and more states making these hard policy requirements just means we're going to be absolutely segregated. It creates a very dangerous opportunity for serious conflict and an escalation of the Cold Civil War. We see it at universities. Marquette University is going to require COVID-19 vaccine, while UW-Madison weighs on the mandate. We see this, Virginia Tech, to require COVID-19 vaccines for students. So it absolutely is expanding. Will it become prominent the next five years? We'll see. We really don't know. But here's what I think is going to happen. Here's what worries me. Texas says, absolutely not. New York says, let's do it. Washington says, absolutely. People will then be physically barred. Not like literally, but it's going to create tensions. It's going to make it so that people in Texas are less likely to visit these other states. It means we will be, as a nation, more and more divided. And then you will get hard dividing lines. We talk about the Civil War. And we say the main reason for it was slavery. And that's mostly the truth. The reason, the reason I say mostly is that there were a lot of political issues, a lot of political issues. The biggest one and the most impactful, of course, being the divide between slave states and free states. Of course, there were still other issues. We take a look at what's going on now with the divide in the US. Could it lead to a full on civil conflict? Well, people kept saying there's no dividing line. What did Bill Maher say? He said the Mason-Dixon line would go through grandma's living room or something to that effect, right? There's no hard dividing line between states to draw up the lines for where the conflict could originate. But now you are seeing red states and blue states absolutely setting those dividing lines. What happens when you're in a red state and they actually start, they've already done this during the pandemic. There were border checks. They had cops at the border of the state stopping people without a state license plates. It wasn't that crazy, but it still happened. What, what happens if we get to that point where you, you pull up in the car and they say, Howdy, give your vaccine passport? And you say, I don't be like turn it around. You can't come in. It's possible. I think we're getting away from the, from the pandemic scare though. I, I like the, the fear and, and, and the lockdowns are, are basically ending everywhere. So maybe that won't be the case. But what happens if you can enter this space, but you can't do anything? What happens if you aren't vaccinated? Maybe you can't be, I don't know, whatever, or you chose not to be. And then you're treated like a second class citizen. Can't go to movies, can't go to shows, can't go to, to stores, can't buy stuff. You can't go to New York. That will be the divide. That will at least create a soft division between many of these states, which I think will escalate political tensions, which are already bad. Now, I'll tell you about the other fear I have. is it's, it's the obvious duplicit- duplicitousness and the double standards we see from the media and the political class. Take a look at this.
1: Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Ark Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arkseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's a r k seedkits.com. Promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. arkseedkits.com.
0: Shoppers should should wear masks. Shouldn't protesters, too? A reader believes there's a double standard for cooperation with public safety measures. This story from just about a year ago. That's right. Black Lives Matter protesters weren't wearing masks, but they were coming out by the thousands. And then we started to see all of these stories. Why? This is from Healthline.com. Why didn't the Black Lives Matter protests? Or, I'm sorry. Why the Black Lives Matter protests didn't contribute to the COVID-19 surge? I'm not a fan of this. They tell you that you can't go to church. You Google search BLM no mask protest, and all the stories say that BLM did not contribute to COVID-19 it didn't cause a spike. And maybe that's the case. But I don't trust it. When you saw right wing groups going out protest, they said, oh, they're going to spread. It's, it's I can't. This is ridiculous. You shouldn't be out right now. And then what did the left do? They put on nursing outfits. Some of these people, they weren't really nurses and then blocked cars and took photo ops. They staged these large Black Lives Matter protests and the doctors and nurses were clapping and cheering for it. It's simple. The divide politically is insane. You see the nurses blocking the car of the right wing protester and they're like looking mad and it goes viral on the left. You then see doctors cheering for thousands of people marching through the street Something didn't make sense. Come back to me with all the data you want at the end of the year and say, see, Black Lives Matter didn't contribute to this. It doesn't explain the political hypocrisy. What does? Harsh tribalism, political segregation, and it's getting worse. People are fleeing to Texas. Freedom. People are fleeing to Florida. Hey, you guys know Luke Rodkowski. He was on the Tim Cast IRL podcast for a couple months, and then he left to Florida. He's like, I'm out. I'm going to Florida, baby. Eh, he might come back. But a lot of people decided they wanted to live freely. They wanted to get back to normal. And there was a political path to do so. Many other states said these states are insane. New York, California, Illinois, Washington, they've gone the other direction. I think it's going to get worse. I do. And maybe it's just pessimistic for me to say that because I say it all the time. But come on. Did we really think we would be in a pandemic that would divide us? A lot of people were saying during the pandemic that they were hopeful that an, an unseen enemy that would threaten all of us could unite the planet. It's like the graphic novel Watchmen. Ozymandias stages a fake alien invasion, which forces the Soviets in the U.S. to lay down their arms and unite against this perceived threat. However, it wasn't real. It was just a graphic novel. I mean, the alien invasion wasn't real in the book, sure. But it was just a graphic novel, ultimately a movie with a, slight, with a, with a different ending. We thought that COVID would be that uniting factor. It wasn't because people just want to be divided. They don't like each other. That's it. The left and the right are basically alike. You're either with us or you're against us. Heaven forbid you criticize someone on one side because they will hate you forever. I'm not playing those games. I've heard it from a lot of conservatives. You want to act like the right wing doesn't have cancel culture. They do. You criticize someone on the right and Boy, do they shut you off quick. It's not just about me. There's actually a bunch of conservatives this has happened to. There are people who have been thrown under the bus immediately for... You know, smear pieces in the New York Times. Some reporters who, uh, I'll keep it vague, reported on some things and then were, were uh, threatened. The conservatives were worried about what the New York Times said about these other conservative personalities. I forget who said it, but they said Republican politicians are more worried about the opinion of the New York Times than they are about their own constituents. We can't function that way. We need to have reasonable debate, we need to recognize each other as humans unfortunately, we're going the other direction. Many on the left are saying, good, let the Republicans not get vaccinated. What do we care? Okay. Well, that means Republicans won't go to your state. And they say, good, we don't want them. All right. That means you're going to have a nation divided by states that are overwhelmingly Republican and overwhelmingly Democrat. As the small amount, the 20% of New Yorkers, for instance, who are conservative, they probably left. New York City's probably like 95% Democrat at this point because they left. And the same is true in California. They're fleeing to Texas. Texas is probably turning more red by the minute. The the red states are getting redder. The blue states are getting bluer. And the divide is only getting worse. And these things are going to make it all substantially worse. All this while we have active conflict going on around the world and fears of a war with China. So maybe we're being subverted. Maybe it's a divide and conquer strategy. It's not just the vaccine. It's critical race theory, wokeness, whatever, leftist economic policy, gun rights. We're being split in twain. At a time when it's the most dangerous. We need to be united. We need to be united against a potential war. Uh, maybe this just ends the war before it even starts. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at youtube.com slash timcast IRL. Tonight, live, 8 p.m. Uh, I think our internet is fixed. It was struck by lightning. So we're able to upload, but like consistent internet, internet like cuts in and out. I think we may have fixed it. So check it out tonight at 8 p.m. youtube.com slash timcast IRL. We'll see you all then. The woke left said, stop Asian hate. And it was kind of surprising because they're the ones who have been advocating for racial discrimination against Asian people for quite some time. In colleges, for instance, in schools, they have routinely said, nah, we're not going to, you know, we're going to set higher standards and make it harder for Asian people because, well, there's just too many in these schools, they say, which really boils down to telling an American or an immigrant or anybody, you can't go to this institution because too many people look like you. Yes, yes. That is a morally bankrupt ideology. So what do you get? Well, over the past several months, there's been this big push to stop Asian hate. Okay, I can respect that. I mean, the woke left has created a monster espousing this ridiculous ideology that black people can't be racist and that Asians are white adjacent. We get this story. You're not even from this country, you racial slur for Asian people. Shocking moment man hurls slurs at Asian NYPD officer before yelling that black people can't be racist. There have been a series of attacks on Asian people, and we see the left come out and say, stop Asian hate. But what they typically overlook or don't bring up is that many of these attacks in San Francisco and New York, these very prominent ones, were perpetrated by black men attacking Asians. We recently had, I believe it was a 55-year-old or, or I believe 55-year-old Asian woman just walking down the street. I think this was New York and a black man just punched her in the face. I don't think the race of the perpetrator matters because I'm not a woke lunatic. I think if someone commits a crime, they commit a crime. The problem is the woke left have been telling people you can't be racist unless you're white. What do you get when you keep telling people that while disparaging Asian people? You get videos like this, you get viral clips like this, and you get extreme violence. Now, this isn't the most pressing story that uh, we've ever seen. I mean, it's just some guy yelling at cops. People yell at cops all the time, and people say dumb things all the time. I don't think one guy is the apocalypse here. But it's, it's, it's not just about this one moment. It's about what comes after it. For, first and foremost, we did have these attacks, this, this man who, who punched this Asian woman in the face, And if the mainstream media is is, is propping up this message from the woke left, telling these, these individuals, don't worry, you're not racist. Well, then what happens? I mean, you get you get these random attacks. You get racial hatred. And that's what we're seeing now. The problem I have and what I brought up yesterday in my main segment is that it's spreading. Take a look at this story. Fox News, New Jersey prep school teacher quits over critical race theory. Good for you. Dwight Englewood teachers at school forcing students and faculty to embrace a set of beliefs. These beliefs result in black people saying racist things, and uh, and 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 white progressives also saying racist things under the guise that they are privileged in doing so. I don't. I, I want to make sure I'm clear here. I'm not saying. Every person of every race, it is, a, it is a specific ideology that is giving people this kind of path to be racist from white progressives to, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know how you describe this person. I'd actually say this. I know people are going to get mad. I think this, this black guy who was yelling these ra- racial slurs, the Asian dude, I think he's a victim of a cult. I genuinely believe that. They come into these neighborhoods, they seek out people, and and they lie to them, and they spread this cult-like ideology, and it results in these people saying these things, genuinely, genuinely believing it. It results in a mainstream media that props it up, and it results in things that just literally make no sense. White Spanish teacher quits gig due to white supremacy, forgets where Spain is located, in Europe. Spanish people are white. They speak Spanish. It is a romance language, yet... It's the weirdest thing. There was another viral clip a while ago where this woman said something like uh, white people shouldn't speak Spanish because it's racist or something. And then people were like, yo, it's like Spanish is a colonial language, dude. They don't know what they're talking about. But it spreads up from this on the ground guy yelling at cops up to the woke industrial complex. So saith Christopher Rufo, Lockheed Martin, trying to deconstruct their white male privilege. So it's at every level. You have people becoming hateful. And I guess I guess that was my main point when I said the, 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 the woke cult results in black people saying things like this. I'm not saying every single black person. I know that the YouTube censors are eager. No, I'm saying quite literally it results in people saying racist things to each other. It results in people of one race hating people of another race. And that's a problem. Here's a story from the Daily Mail. A disturbing video has emerged showing a black man directing a string of racial slurs at an Asian NYPD officer during, an, uh, during unrest in Manhattan's Washington Square Park over the weekend. The unnamed man is seen in the expletive-laden video, which was uploaded to Reddit on Sunday, being confronted by a group of officers who appeared to ask him to move from the road onto the sidewalk. The man, dressed in a white t-shirt and a ball cap, appears to single out the Asian-American cop and unleashes a vile tirade at him. You're not even from this country, you piece of S, you effing C. He repeats the offensive ethnic slur, referring to a person of Chinese descent over and over again, without drawing any response from the targeted officer. Another cop tries to de escalate the situation and leads his colleagues away as the irate man continues to yell racial abuse. Moments later, a man passing by on a bicycle overhears the slurs and calls out the abuser. Why are you calling people racial slur, man? F you. The guy then turns on the biker and says, SMID, all right. When a bystander accuses the enraged man of being racist, he shoots back, black people can't be racist, you piece of S. That is some of the most psychotic, cult-like trash. It is hypocrisy at the utmost. They go around telling people only white people can be racist. Then they claim that when then they come out and they say, we need to stop Asian hate. I, you know, I wish I could swear on this channel. I don't. But you know what? I'd love to direct some expletives your way. You psychotic, twisted mother effers. You are disgusting. You are vile racists. And they are teaching our kids this in schools. And they are flying those flags at our embassies. And this is what it represents. When they go to our embassies and fly that flag they are telling these people to be racist. When they are going to our schools and teaching our kids, they are telling our kids to be racist. They are telling our weapons manufacturers to be racist. The reactionary, the reactionary left, I guess you can call it, reactionaries were those who opposed the revolution in France. And the left likes to claim it means right wing. It means those who oppose the revolution. And I'll tell you what the revolution is. This country, the United States, was overtly identitarian. Look at the founders and some of the documents they put forward and some of the arguments made by southern states in the Civil War. Absolutely. But I'm not stupid, you know, and and I I think most of you understand who watch this, that the principles laid forth by the founding fathers, the creation of this great nation led to the civil rights era and A revolution of the mind over and over again. Boy, did that piss off the elites. We told the crown to shove it. We're going to do as we see fit to govern ourselves. And we said, all men are created equal. Well, men just being a generic reference to people. Still, the law did very much favor white men. But what happened? Well, white men made decisions about what was fair and what was just, and they gave up a lot of that control, realizing that it was morally unjust combined with and and that's a fact, right? Because I know the left will get mad about that, too. No, that's true. What happens is you get many prominent activists and heroes, people like uh, Harriet Tubman, and they they fight for freedom and true liberty. And Frederick Douglass, these, these people, they actually make us challenge our morals. And boy, did people not want it. Boy, did the South not want it. Boy, did the Democrats really hate the idea. But we come to finally the civil rights movement. And we said, enough is enough. And we had a tremendous revolution. The end, or at least a stake in the heart of identitarianism, meaning, you know what? You cannot discriminate on the basis of race. There we said it, right? Well, it was a good couple decades. And then the Democrats said, we are sick of your revolution towards liberty and equality. And the Democrats, they just could not stop. Along comes critical race theory. Only a couple decades after civil rights and not even a couple decades, like 15 years. These people are reactionaries. They vomited at the thought of racial equality in this country. They barfed all over themselves and they began pushing this racist ideology in schools and colleges. And from there, they've pushed it and pushed it. They do not like that we won. They do not like that people, civil libertarians, classical liberals said, you know what? We should not discriminate on the basis of race or gender or, or national origin or religion. We should be that great American melting pot. We should live up to the words of our own constitution. The Democrats were outraged. For Forever, the Democrats had been the party of overt racism and racial segregation, and that never changed. It never changed. You know, they were forced to get on board the civil rights movement. But where are we at now? The Democrats are the ones pushing this. The Democrats are the ones who are in. It's, it's Washington state, a blue state, where they're forcing critical race theory on children, teaching them to be racist. It's not the red states. The red states are the ones saying you can't do this. The Republicans, the right are right. After the civil rights movement, these these Democrats and leftists, you know, started pushing this overtly racist ideology and preaching pro segregationism. And now we're back at a point where schools are actually segregating dorms or graduation ceremonies where there's actually activists advocating for overt segregation. And now you can see it's manifesting on our streets. Racism never went away. And it's sad. There was always a problem in this country with racism. Even after the civil rights movement, we had blockbusting and redlining. But we fought we said, no, you can't do that. You got to stop that. Hey, guess what? We did redlining and blockbusting. Boom, illegal. You can't do it. Illegal discrimination on the base of race because we passed that beautiful 1964 Civil Rights Act. We had that amazing ruling from the Supreme Court, Loving v. Virginia. We did it, man. But they didn't, they, they weren't, they didn't stop fighting. It's almost like the Civil War never ended, really. I mean, I, I was thinking about this. You, uh, there, now, sure, lines have shifted and ideologies have changed. But since the Civil War, it's been Democrat versus Republican, really. And you have the Democrats, who have always been the party of overt racism, still maintaining that they are the party of of overt racism. But now they're lying about it, claiming it's the Republicans who are racist. The Republicans, the ones who are saying, don't judge people on the basis of race. So the civil rights era ended, and there were still really awful laws in the books there were a lot of uh, remnants of this historical uh, racism. It's, they exist. I mean, we literally had laws. We had practices that were overtly racist. And the housing market today is still racist. No, 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 it is. The housing market is, is a nebulous concept, but it exists. And it's a fact that minority households are valued less for a variety of reasons. We have not done everything we can to end these practices. But what happens now? Well, the Democrats say and these woke leftists say that they're the ones who are fighting racism. They're anti-racist. That's right. Anti-racist. But go ahead to they, they, they go to these racial minorities and say, hate your neighbor. Hate your neighbor. That's horrifying. We don't want to do that. We want to uh, fix these systems. How do we do it? Well, we got rid of the laws. We we, We made these racial covenants illegal. We said you can't discriminate on the basis of race. So our legal system has made that clear. And now there's some remnants of the past. Here's the big lie. The left says we must end institutional racism. We did for a while. And the left brought back a bunch of overtly racist policies, affirmative action, and things of that nature, saying, but we want to help people. No, you see, here's what happens. We decided that you can't discriminate on the basis of race, which is a huge victory for civil rights in this country. The left then claims that the, the things that are remnants of that system are proof the system still exists. Therefore, we must go back to segregation. That's literally what they're arguing for. In reality, time heals all wounds. We may have ended these laws, but we still have to contend with the after effects of those laws, generational wealth gaps and things like that, which means we are now looking at a class based issue. We have dealt with the issue of race to the best of our abilities. Not perfectly, not completely done. There's a fight. The fight is ongoing. But now we need to address the class issues that are remnants of racial policies. But those racial policies, they're illegal. The Democrats come out and they start fanning the flames, saying that, well, you know, because there's still racism, we should go back to the old system because they're reactionaries. They cannot stand that we won that there was a great ideological revolution towards ending racism. They can't stand it. Of course, they have useful idiots, ground troops, people who go on, on Reddit and Twitter, who don't know anything about philosophy or civil rights, and just say, Republicans are racist. Meanwhile, you see stories like this. And you know what this is? This, 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 this black man yelling at these Asians. This is what, you, what happens when a morally bankrupt cult Takes over and infiltrates several levels of your government and your institutions. And the only resistance is the morally bankrupt GOP. I know there's a handful of people in the Republican Party who have been fighting and doing well. Trump certainly was a fighter. And there are some good people, you know, Rand Paul, Thomas Massey. Marjorie Taylor Greene, for all her faults, is a fighter pushing back and making those demands. And that's seriously what the Republican Party needs. So they hate her guts. I'm not saying she's perfect. I think she's ripe for criticism, but the Republican Party finally has people willing to push back. They try to make her out to be that Trump character, but it ain't it. Now, we can see it coming in our schools. What do you think is going to happen? You see the story. I know. Maybe it's not the biggest story in the world that this guy was yelling racial slurs in an Asian, but it's per- it, it perfectly exemplifies the problem and the moral bankruptcy of the woke cult of critical race theory, critical theory in general. Well, they're teaching it to your children. In Washington state, and these other jurisdictions, they're teaching 1619. They're erasing American history. We're seeing a white Spanish teacher quitting over white supremacy because they don't realize that Spanish comes from Spain. They've gone insane. They've gone completely insane. Have you seen the price of gold lately? At 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. You turn on MSNBC. It's not It's psychobabble for years. Millions of people watch MSNBC. It's worse than QAnon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know the Q people believe crazy things. But the MSNBC people are watching mainstream stream cable. We got to do something about these advertisers. I don't know. They don't care. They literally don't care. Advertisers freak out and panic when Tucker Carlson farts. But MSNBC can for years say that Trump's a Russian agent and that all this crazy nonsense is happening. They can disparage this country and spread downright, you know, outright conspiracy theories. That's it. They're allowed to do it. Advertisers don't care. Why? Why? Because the only resistance to it is the morally bankrupt GOP. No, OK, it's entirely fair. Look, I, obviously, I'm some kind of resistance. You're some kind of resistance. We're all pushing back. It's not enough. No, I I, I genuinely believe, you know, there, there are periods where there has been major uh, ground taken by the anti-woke, but it's a losing battle. It's a battle of attrition. You see, too many people, prominent personalities and celebrities just want money, and they will absolutely say whatever the establishment wants. So as soon as mainstream media, big tech, goes woke, everyone else falls in line. But I think it really comes down to advertising because you can make, you know, YouTube and Google or whatever bend their knee if the advertising dollars don't show up. It's kind of like a Mexican standoff. So what needs to happen is people need to get jobs at advertising firms, start advertising firms, take them over and shut down the wokeness and just say no to it. I have no problem with, you know, Joe Biden was talking about commercials with mixed race families and he's like, what are they doing? They're selling soap. And it was like a really weird, like, OK, well, whatever. I mean, yeah, the Democrats are racist. I get it. I don't care about those commercials. I think it's cool. Whatever. The issue is critical race theory, the overt racism. When I see a, a commercial and it's like, you know, a black woman and a, and, a, uh, and a white man and they're married and they have kids and the kids are mixed race, I'm like, all right, like that's actually showing people coming together. Like, that I actually like, to people loving each other. Now, what if it was like a black woman with mixed kids and a white dad, and the whole commercial was them just screaming how the white dad is evil? I'm like, that's a problem. The Racism is bad. Commercial with mixed race people is just, it's showing love and acceptance and normality. That's fantastic. Just like people having breakfast and like advertising cereal. I like it. I dig it. It's cool. The problem is critical race theory. It's overtly racist. They don't want this utopian vision. They want people to hate each other. They want to see stories about, you know, a black man screaming racial slurs at an Asian cop saying he can't be racist. That's literally what they preach. They say stop Asian hate. And then they go and physically beat Andy No and and, and threaten him. And these are white people because they don't actually believe what they say they believe. Now, I'll tell you this one thing. I've never been more desperate to believe that get woke, go broke is a real thing. Because, I mean, well, you know, maybe this whole system of wokeness will eventually implode on itself. I don't think so. Cults and dogmatic ideology have taken over countries before. Look at the Soviet Union. Look at Europe, fascists and communists. Wokeness at the Fed's regional banks puts central bank independence at risk. Okay. All right. That ain't so bad. Stock market's up, apparently. Uh, wokeness at the Fed. Well, if get well, go broke is true and the Fed collapses. No, you know, look, as much as I don't like the Fed, it's just another sign of collapse. When our schools are teaching people to be racist and teachers are quitting, when teachers are quitting because they think it's racist to speak a European language, when the Federal Reserve is getting woke and goes broke, ah, look, man, people might not, might not want to hear it. They say it's fear-mongering or pessimism when I say the system is like facing collapse. I, I've, not, I've never seen it shaken this badly. Maybe that's just me. I'm young, right? Young ish. I mean, I'm 35, so I'm not that young, but I'm not 50, okay? There are a lot of people who have experienced a lot more and seen a lot crazier things. Maybe it's been worse before. Maybe it's been way worse. I mean, you had the weather underground back in the day and they were blowing stuff up. So maybe it's not as bad as we think. Maybe this is just another brick in the wall. Maybe this is just another day in the life of American politics where people are pointing the finger at each other. But I'll tell you what's happening now. On MSNBC, and you know, uh, maybe I'll talk about this in a different segment. They're saying uh, they had a guest on who said maybe we need to start arresting members of Congress because of the the insurrection. You look at this stuff, and I ask myself, I'm like, arrest members of Congress? At what point are we going to have someone in Congress cane another member of Congress? Because that's what happened in the Civil War, just before the Civil War. What happens now that the ideology is so split? I'll put it this way. Maybe it won't happen this year or in the next few years. I kind of think we're I'm bullish on serious conflict. But what do you think happens when, when someone who's, uh, let's say, 20 years old, ultra-woke 20-year-old, runs for office in five years or so? They get into Congress, and they're literally Antifa. Somebody who smashed windows and threw bricks at faces and beat people bloody. Now they're in Congress. You look at what's happening with, indo- with this indoctrination, and you need to understand that these 20-year-old steady who are woke, they were 10 years old during Occupy Wall Street. 10. Isn't that crazy? They were 10 years old. Now it's been 10 years and they're 20. And now they're engaging in politics and they're ultra woke. Not all of them, but they exist. They don't know anything about the past. They're violent and dangerous. And what happens when they start running for office and they get into Congress? And then you have people in Congress who are violent. Someone's going to cane somebody. Civil wars around the corner. This country is fractured so heavily. It's always been, though. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, hanging out, and I will see you all then. At least three U.S. homes have recently sold for more than $1 million over asking price. It's the latest sign the housing market has gone completely off the rails. It is the latest sign that our economy is on the verge of imploding. And it is the latest sign that, my friends, the Great Reset is, re- is very real. It's happening right now. You will own nothing and you will be happy. Well, I don't think people right now will be all that happy, but uh, millennials are used to having nothing. You look at the boomers and their share of wealth ownership and they're doing great. You look at Gen X, it goes down and millennials even worse. Because you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. So it's no surprise. Many millennials are socialists and communists. They don't own anything anyway. Their mentality is take it from the boomers, I guess. Got to go somewhere. These three houses that sold for a million dollars over asking price. This is big news. What's happening is that these major investment firms and ultra wealthy investors are buying up everything. Why? Well, there's going to be a new There's going to be a change in the, in the dynamic. You will be a serf. You will own nothing and you will be happy. What, what's happening is companies, through a variety of means, I mean, just wealthy interests and the policies that shape the nation, there's a great opportunity in buying up these, these houses and creating a permanent landlord class, or I should say a, a, an oligarchy, a permanent serf class. You will be born into poverty. You will never be able to buy one of these houses. Why? They'll never be for sale. The new ones that pop up, you won't be able to afford. You will own nothing and you will be happy. They want you to eat the bugs. That we know, it's all over the media. And they want you to live in the pods. Now, for me, if I'm out in the middle of nowhere, I got no problem with either. But in these big cities, you, you, you got to check out New York and see how they do apartments. They've taken these houses, right? And because of the way they were shaped, they created what's called railroad apartments. What does that mean? It means somebody is going to be sleeping in the hallway. Railroad apartments are when there's you walk in the front of the apartment, and there's a room. Then you walk through into the bedroom and there's a door to another bedroom. It's one of the worst things imaginable, but that's how young people and people in New York live. Railroad apartments. So what happens? The housing market is just the latest sign of the tumult the economy is going through. And what this means for you, we'll break it all down. But a big factor here is that as raw materials become scarce, as the labor shortage gets worse, the cost of houses is going to go up. And then everyone will just rent. And in the next five to ten years, you will not own anything. And like the World Economic Forum said, you will be happy yeah, well, happiness is relative, I suppose. You know, someone who's born and if you were born in the 1400s and you lived the way they did, you'd be happy too. But if you grew up now in all this luxury and got transported back in time to the 1400s, you would be miserable. No air conditioning. What do you do? No internet. Ah, uh, mostly just working all day. Ooh, technology is a wonderful thing. But this is what they're betting on. They're betting that if they take away your homes, they, 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 they take away your jobs, they take away your resources. They slowly take away your ability to own and produce. Eventually, you'll just accept it. So you look at the shortage of raw materials and people just can't buy things. You look at the shortage of beef. Now, we know that the climate change people have said, you got to stop eating beef. Beef's bad for the environment, they say. All right all those farting cows, I guess, and that methane and the, the, the water required for growing beef. Now, a lot of people have pointed out there's regenerative beef farming and there's sustainable practices. Of course, there always, always are. There's always something we can do. But you look at these climate change activists saying, don't eat beef, right? Simply put, all of a sudden there's a beef shortage. All of a sudden there's a chicken shortage. Now they want to do lab-grown meat, and the media says, eat the cicadas, just eat the bugs. Bro, the cicadas are gone almost already. I went outside and where I live, we're like on the outskirts of this giant swarm. The cicadas are now very small and they're really quiet. I think the, the, the robust and healthier cicadas have, uh, have, are not, are, are, have, have left this world, have departed already. And now we're getting the weaker of the batch and we're on the way out. You can't just eat cicadas or grubs or, or snails or from the dirt. You can't do that. But that's where we're headed. So I, I bring up the story first. Three homes selling for more than a million dollars. It's the most egregious indication. You put up a house. So I'll tell you what's going on. It's right. So we're expanding the business. We need. Uh, we're expanding. Like we're we're legit gonna expand massive. Man, this is gonna be fantastic. You guys over at Timcast.com, the members have made this possible, and it is incredible. And from this, we are looking at setting up a new facility, which is going to be administrative, and it's going to be very much just like a normal office. Because you know we have the compound, the studio, and it's you know more shenanigans and everything. But now we got to get serious. We're going to do real distribution. We got to hire journalists. We got to commission people. So we need a standard office space. I'm looking at these properties. I call the agent. I'm like, this one looks good. I see it just popped up on the market. And he goes, let me call them up. I get a call a few minutes later. That's gone. I'm like, how is it gone already? Did they not negotiate for price, bro? They call up these investment firms and say, how much do you want for your house? It's, you're asking 900 for this big, this big, massive acreage property, and they'll be like, we'll give you. $2 million. They'll give you a million dollars over asking, how am I supposed to compete with that? I'm just trying to run a business. Now, my business is doing really, really well. What about regular working people? Nah, they ain't going to be able to do it. Check this out. This is a thread from Cultural Husbandry. I'm not familiar with Cultural Husbandry as a Twitter account, or but this is a, a, a Twitter thread that's been going viral among many people. Thread, BlackRock is buying every single family house they can. Paying 20 to 50 percent above asking price and outbidding normal home buyers. Why are corporations, pension funds, and property investment groups buying and uh, buying entire neighborhoods out from under the middle class? Let's take a look. Homes are popping up on MLS and going under contract within a few hours. BlackRock, among others, are buying up thousands of new homes and entire neighborhoods. So, who is BlackRock? Only the world's largest asset manager and the leading proponent of the Great Reset. They're looking for to redistribute, get this, $120 trillion, the entire wealth of the world's middle class and poor combined several times over. As an example, a 124 new home neighborhood was bought in its entirety in Texas. Average Americans were outbid to the tune of $32 million dollars. Homes sold at an average of 20% above listing. Now the entire neighborhood is made up of SFRs. What are SFRs? Single family rentals. Now, your potential lower to middle class homeowner is positioned to be a permanent renter. This matters because for the lower and middle class, owning a home is the, is the most major part of any financial success and future upward mobility. When you pass on your generational wealth to your children, they get your home. I was looking at a home a few years ago. It's empty. And it was going for under market. They were just buy it. It It's the middle of nowhere in Maryland. And I asked them why it was being sold for below, you know, below market. And they said, it's uh, a brother and sister in their late 30s. Their parents died and they don't want the property and they don't want to deal with it. Okay. So they sell that property. They inherit it. They pay the tax on it. Sure, it's a death tax or something, however it works. But they, they score a, a, a quick couple hundred K and they want the cash. They don't want the property. They inherit that money from their parents. Their parents build up wealth in their lives. And when they pass, they pass it on to their children. This is being stripped away. Your children will own nothing. You will own nothing. It is the great reset. Cultural goes on. This is wealth distribution. And it ain't rich people's wealth they're getting, that, that's getting re- redistributed. It's normal American middle class, salt of the earth wealth, heading into the hands of the world's most powerful entities and individuals, the traditional financial vehicle gone forever. Home equity is the main financial element that middle class families use to build wealth. And BlackRock, a Federal Reserve funded financial institution, is buying up all the houses to make sure that young families can't build wealth. That's right. Federal Reserve funded financial institute. Let that sink in for a minute. Got it? They're using your tax dollars to f over the lower and middle class, and it's permanent. Not one presidential administration administration of BS. This is a fundamental reorganization of society. So where does this position the average American in thirty years when it's given that every new neighborhood is to be bought up whole, so they can be utilized as single family rentals? It's, it positions them as peasants. Being poor can be temporary condition, bettered by upward mobility in the U.S. and other nations. Homeownership is often the first and most vital step. This can provide for generational wealth and success. But as permanent guaranteed renters, you're pissing away a lifetime of equity and the chance for mobility. You just become a peasant. The Great Reset is real. It's happening. This will be the greatest transfer of wealth and the greatest consolidation of power in the history of mankind. If they get away with it, revolution will be the only cure. It will be awful. Wake up, get active, and stop this now. This is warfare. Make no doubt about it. Lloyd's Bank in London is doing it, as is every great financial institute across the world. This must be stopped. It is a greater threat than the slow creep of communism, BLM or anything else you can think of combined. It is a death stroke. BlackRock, Vanguard and State Street control $20 trillion worth of assets. BlackRock alone has a $10 billion a year surplus. That means with five to 20 percent down. They can get mortgages on 130 to 170K homes every year, or they can outright buy 30,000 homes per year, just BlackRock. Now, imagine every major institute doing this because they are. It can be such a fast sweeping action that 30 years may be overshooting it. They may accomplish feudalism in 15. People will say they can't just piss away money on buying tens of thousands of houses that are all at a loss. Wrong. You and I can't do that. You and I can't do that. They are fronting the Federal Reserve. And are financed by an endless stream of freshly created fiat money. And what's the global reserve currency? Oh, yeah, green funny money. You may ask, suppose the banks won't finance new housing or but companies are buying them from way above asking price. Can it last? Well, the banks are controlled by and in bed with the same cabal buying everything up. You think this will be corrected by market forces when it is financial and political uh, pincer movement pushed by the same cabal that stole the well, I won't lead. Uh, I, will, I will read this next point, but preface, stole the 2020 election, and I will reference the Time Magazine article, the shadow Cobal and uh, the shadow campaign, sorry, and what they refer to as a, a cobalt of elites. And I'm not suggesting fraud. These are the people that changed election laws. It is the Democrats and the Republicans. Cultural husbandry then points out several uh, articles that back up these claims, and I have many of them up, but there's other things that are happening here. CNBC.com. Soaring lumber prices add thirty six thousand dollars to the cost of a new home, and a fierce land grab is only making it worse. April thirtieth, it's a couple months ago. The surge in lumber prices in the past year have added thirty-five K to the price of an average new home. So there's a lot to think about. You can call it the Great Reset. I think it's a component of it. I think wealthy interests are ideologically driven. We can see the communist flag on Nickelodeon. Do you see this? Talked about it the other day. Nickelodeon runs this this you know LGBT pride thing, and sure, fine, but then they show the red salute and they tell children the communist salute is a good thing. So here's what happens: you're an investor, you're looking in a neighborhood, you see a house going for 200k, you know that in order to build a new house, due to the cost of lumber and steel prices, it's going to cost 40k more just to build. Which means a house that would normally be a new construction that would sell for maybe a little bit higher than the surrounding houses, like a new house, it's a lot better than a house that's 10 years old, right? So that 10 year old house may be worth 200, the new build 250. And then you look at it and you go, yeah, but in order to actually build it now, they got to tack on 36K. Call it 4K with taxes are 40K. So now that 250, it's called $300,000, 50K above. All right, I'll buy that $200,000 house because it has to go up in value, too. If people want to move in the neighborhood, they got to pay a premium. These other houses are discounted right now. All of these major institutional uh, uh, investment firms realized we can buy up all these houses like crazy because people have no choice. Here's the other thing. Once you get to a certain level of wealth, you know you can control the market. I'll tell you a story about uh, World of Warcraft. Now, I know I people saying, I don't care about, it. no, 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 hold on, this is, this is fantastic, you're going to love this, whether you play the game or not, you will love this. Way back in the day, in the early days of World of Warcraft, for those that aren't familiar, it's a massively popular uh, MMORPG with millions of players who are interacting with each other. Now, you can choose to be a druid or a rogue and cast spells and fight dragons, but that's not relevant to the conversation. What is, is that there's something in-game called an auction house, And in the game, you can get materials for making new items or casting spells. To put it simply, there is an economy within World of Warcraft. Well, back in the day, many people, I'll just leave it at that, would go into the auction house and buy up all of one resource and then put it right back up at a 20% markup it was insane. Demand was so hot for some of these items that, so in order to enchant an item, you needed something called a small radiant shard. Meaningless, I know. Ignore the jargon, but let me just explain. In this game, where there's no regulators, you could go in, and, and, and I kid you not, the world of Warcraft currency had real world value because people would buy it on, you know, the black market, essentially. It was against the rules. But if you wanted to make a better character, you needed in-game currency and you could spend U.S. dollars against the rules to get it. Here's what people would do. They'd go into the auction house in-game, buy up all of the small Radiant Shard, repost it with a 20% markup because there was no regulation. People would then be complaining in chat. What is this? Why is it? Oh, man, it's ridiculous. And you would extract the, the gameplay hours of these players. Then you'd make all that gold for your character. You could sell it. People would. There was market manipulation in this video game without regulation. Now, I think about that back when I was, you know, in my uh, late teens, early 20s, playing that game, laughing about the idea that you could manipulate the markets this way. And think about, and and so I remember having these conversations with with my friends, be like, you see what they're doing, how they, how they scam this. It's not really a scam. It's not, you're allowed to do it. How does it apply to the real world? Here we are. These big investment firms know they can buy up all of the houses, all of them, and then just repost them back in the market at a higher rate. Why? Because people are going to take out loans from banks to pay for them anyway. Screw it. Let's buy 30,000 homes at 100, you know, 150 to 200K each and then sell them for 200 to 250. And if they don't want to buy it too bad, we own them. Then they will be permanent renters. Ultimately, I don't think they're going to resell them. I think they realize if they buy up every house, people will have no choice but to rent. And there we are. It's going to be like Ukraine. I was looking at Ukraine housing prices. You know, there was a period where I was like, you know, it seems like it might be a nice place to have a have an apartment and do work when you're when 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 covering conflict in the Middle East. It'd be great to have a hub to operate out of somewhere where it's cheap. The only issue, it wasn't. Uh, The houses were and apartments were comparable to U.S. prices. And I'm like, how can the average Ukraine afford this? Huh, that's right. They can't. The oligarchs own everything. You rent from them. It's feudalism. It will quite literally be lords. Now, it won't be on paper that they're lords, except we'll call them landlords. But this will be it. Congratulations to boomers. This is what you've done for your children. It's what you've created. Congratulations to millennials. It's what you are helping perpetuate. This is the pol- failed policies of the, the current institutions. It's what you get when you support the establishment. Donald Trump wasn't perfect. In fact, there's a lot wrong with the guy, but he was an insurgent candidate and he was disruptive. Well, everybody voted for Biden and they have now sealed their fate. But you know, I think a lot of the socialists are happy with this. It's part of the plan, I suppose. If you get everyone to be peasants eventually, you can have a peasant uprising. You can make it a lot easier to point to the ultra-rich and be like, see, look at the wealth gap. I think they want the wealth gap to get worse. That way they can justify some kind of communist revolution. Now, it's not just lumber. It's not just all this. There's, there's I mean, there's more. Uh, that's, that's a wrong story. Job openings soar to record high 9.3 million, raising fears of labor shortage. Raising fears? It is a labor shortage. It is a labor shortage. People aren't going to own anything. You're not going to have the ability to uh, buy a house. The government is going to give you money. They're going to, they're going to print money and give it to you. And that means taint nothing to buy. This is what I find really fascinating about these uh, uh, socialists and the UBI proponents. They don't understand the concept of supply and demand. When there's massive demand for things, that's not bad. So long as there's supply and they're sort of competing. <clears throat> but let's say you give everybody a million bucks, right? I was thinking about that Mara Gay woman from the New York Times where she had that really stupid math flub where she was like, Bloomberg spent $500 million. He could have given a million dollars to every American. It's like, what? what you, it's like $1.70. What would have happened if you actually gave a million dollars to every American? Well, there would be zero supply. Who would work? Everybody's like, I got a million bucks. I don't got to work anymore. Then all of a sudden, there's no food. There's no resources because... People have to trade with each other to maintain an economy. If all of a sudden everybody had a million bucks, a million bucks would be worthless because you couldn't buy anything. That's what's happening. Let me just put it this way, because a lot of people might not understand. If you right now had a million dollars, would you go back to work in the morning or would you be like, I'm going to pay off my bills, I'm going to go on vacation? You would not produce. Now on the left, they say, but it would create massive demand. Yeah, if some people had a million dollars if everybody did, nobody would need to do anything until it was too late and they needed to. And then inflation would would skyrocket. This is where we're headed. How are you going to be able to buy a house? They're going to give you just enough so that you don't work. You don't save. You're getting barely enough to scrape by and you will be a permanent renter. You will own nothing and you'll be happy. That's where we're headed, baby. The Wall Street Journal. If you sell a house these days, the buyer might be a pension fund. Meet your new landlord, Wall Street. So here it is. The institutions, the elites, the establishment, they will control and own everything. And you won't. You'll be a permanent renter. Like the World Economic Forum said, you'll own nothing. If you want to go ride your bike, you'll rent it like City Bike. You want to go for a ride in a car, you'll call an Uber. The car will be owned by Uber and it'll be driven automatically. Now, I'm not entirely opposed to owning nothing. I don't I think minimalism is fantastic. I think people too attached to things. Hey men, don't be too attached to things, right? I think a lot of people need to get back to nature, find out what's fun and exciting and find passion and fulfill themselves, get away from the cities, get back to doing some hard work. There's nothing better than rolling up your sleeves and just doing some hard work. You know what I do in between segments? I'm not always reading the news. Sometimes I go out and feed the chickens. Got to clean up the coop a little bit, maybe water some of the plants. It's fun to go outside, catch some cicadas, throw them in in the chicken coop. It's a wonderful thing. But too many people are obsessed by these Instagram influencers and how they look and what they want. It's like, just get back, get away from all that stuff, find some fulfillment in your life. So listen, I do think it's better that people do that, but I think it's better that we get there through a cultural uh, effort, not through the force of the elite stripping away our wealth and our resources so that they can live in luxury. Otherwise, what's going to happen is in 30 years, we will live under lordship there will be people permanently wealthy. We'll know there, we we, we know they'll be permanently wealthy. There will be no upward mobility. You will be poor and you must accept it. And there will be police who will do whatever those lords say. My friends, we are building the Hunger Games. Welcome to the Great Reset. Uh, Let the odds be ever in your favor. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out and I will see you all then.